Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is May 8th through the 14th, and I want to be talking about the story of the rich young man. Now, the rich young man, he comes to the Savior, and he says, what do I need to do in order to receive eternal life? The Savior lists off various commandments, honor your father and mother, etc., etc. We're all pretty familiar with those. And this is where the story continues. So this is Matthew. It is chapter 19, and it's verses 20 through 21, and it says, The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Now, after this particular saying, the rich young man goes away sorrowing because he was rich and he didn't really want to give up his riches. Now, we've all heard this story before, but I want to talk about a couple of things that we can learn from the story for this week. So the first one, I think it is important to note the fact that the Savior doesn't ask this of everybody, right? So when you think of some of the other people that Christ interacted with in the New Testament, one person in particular that I'm thinking of, Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a wealthy and powerful leader in the Jewish community. But the Savior, as far as we know, never asked him to sacrifice everything, to sell everything, and to go give it to the poor, right? He asked his apostles, but Christ wasn't asking everybody to take everything they had to sell it and give to the poor. That's He just asked this young man. Now, the principle that I want to pull from that is that the Savior asks based on need. And what I'm talking about is not that, oh, the, this widow really could use some of this rich man's stuff, right? Not her need, though that is a great benefit of this, right? <laughs> what I actually mean is the Savior asks us to sacrifice according to what we need as an individual. So everything that the Christ that Christ does do with us is individualized, right? So when he gives us a blessing and when he places us on earth and when he gives us trials or when he gives us strength that we need in order to fulfill a role that he's given us, when he gives us comfort, all of these things are so individualized. They're so nuanced to fit exactly what we need. And it is no different when it comes to what he asks us to sacrifice, what we personally need to be sacrificing. This young man needed this sacrifice, this specific sacrifice in order to experience all the blessings that Christ wanted him to experience. Now, this young man had kept the commandments, right? When the Savior lists all these commandments, the young man's like, I've kept the commandments from the time I was really young. What lack I yet, right? He had kept, which if he had been keeping the commandments, that also meant that he'd already given alms to the poor, right? He was giving and he was following the law of Moses. He was a good person. But the Savior knew his heart. He knew what this young man needed in order to start experiencing eternal life as soon as possible, right? We can't fully experience eternal life here, right? Like we're living a fallen world 
but there are aspects of eternal life that we can start experiencing here in this life. And the Savior knew what this young man needed in order to more fully step into eternal life. And he needed to be able to let go of riches in order to experience what the Savior wanted him to experience. There was a person in my ward, a young person in my ward when I was growing up, whose house burned down. And this person got up in fast and testimony meeting and they bore their testimony. And I can't remember the exact words that they said, but they said something along the lines of it's interesting when, how you realize what really matters when you lose the things that don't matter. Right. There. Part of experiencing eternal life is experiencing a freedom from worldly things, a freedom from the fear of losing worldly things, a freedom from the weight that comes with riches. Now, it's interesting because we often associate wealth with freedom, right? The world wants wealth so that you're free to make more choices and to do what you want with your life. And this is not completely false, right? <laughs> there are a lot of things that you can do when you have more money. But it is also really important to understand that there can be, not always, right? The Savior didn't ask everybody to get rid of their riches. But it's important to understand that there can be a bondage also associated with wealth, a bondage that keeps us from fully experiencing a happiness and a peace and a freedom from fear when our heart is too closely placed on riches. And that's what Christ wanted this young man to experience. Now, second principle that I want to talk about from the story. This, <laughs> excuse me, this was obviously a test for the young man, right? The Savior wanted to know if he would do all things whatsoever Heavenly Father would ask him to do. But I believe it's so much more than just a test. <laughs> it was so much more than a test, and it was kind of like life in general, right? It was so much more than a test. It was a gift. The Savior was giving this young man a gift when he was asking him to sell everything and give it to the poor. The longer I live, which I know hasn't been that long, <laughs> but the longer I live, the more strongly I feel that the most beautiful and the most important gifts come in the form of ugly packages. Our trials, our weaknesses, I mean that definitely our weaknesses and the things that we are asked to sacrifice are the gifts. Those are the gifts, right? When we think about what the plan of salvation is, when we think about why we wanted mortality, why we wanted to come to earth, when we think about what Heavenly Father wanted for us in coming here, it was growth. It was being able to grow into eternal life, to step into eternal life with baby steps, right? And it's interesting because we often we get up in testimony meeting and we are in tears as we talk about how the Savior strengthened us through a trial and how he comforted us through a trial. And we should be grateful, right? Those are things that we should testify of because the Savior 100% does those things. 
we should be grateful for those things and we should acknowledge them and be aware of them so that we can understand that the Savior's hand is in our life. But when we can also recognize that the trial that we received, along with the strength and the comfort that we received from the Savior, when we realize and recognize the trial or the weakness or the requested sacrifice, when we can recognize the gift that that those things are because of what they truly are, which is growth, which is the whole reason we came here. (laughs) We reach a new level of comfort, right? We reach a new level of, I almost want to use the word stability, right? Because we're like, oh, I know exactly why I'm running into this in this life. Oh, I'm trying to do something for the state, something for the savior and it's difficult. Well, that's exactly why I'm here, right? There's a peace that comes with recognizing <laughs> that all of these hard things, that was the whole point of coming here. <laughs> when I think about this young man specifically in the context of this principle. I think about he was given a gift. He was given an opportunity He could remain rich or there's another part. The savior says, sell all you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. Right. That is the exact same thing that he offered his apostles. He was telling them, leave your nets, leave your worldly stuff. And maybe it wasn't as immense as this rich young man's, but he was saying, leave behind your livelihoods and come and follow me. So when it comes to this young man, he had this opportunity to remain rich for his life and continue to do good things because I'm sure he was doing good things or he could go live the kind of life that Peter was living. Right. (laughs) Which would you choose? That question's really hard because Peter suffered a lot, (laughs) but I, the things that Peter experienced, that's why we, that's why we came here. (laughs) That's what we want. Third principle that I want to talk about in relation to this story. One of the things I love most about the gospel and the Savior's plan, Heavenly Father's plan, is that our hearts don't have to get there immediately. So I want you to picture that this story turned out a little bit differently. So this young man, he still goes away sorrowing from the Savior because he has a lot of riches and it's hard to let go of those things. But I want you to imagine that he did it, that he, even though he kept sorrowing and it was difficult and hard, he went and sold all that he had and he gave it to the poor. And just as the Savior's leaving town with the apostles, here comes the rich, not rich anymore, the poor young man in his coarse apparel, some walking sandals, a walking stick, and he's ready to follow the Savior and he's let go of all of his things. But he's not quite there yet, right? Like his heart is still aching a little bit. He's left behind a lot of really beautiful gifts that that he was given in mortality. And his heart is not quite there yet. Now we have plenty of examples in scriptures of people who kept trying to look back at their riches and they didn't want to let go of him. Cough, cough, pillar of salt, right? But I imagine that this situation would have been different. The savior would have looked at this young man and said, okay, yeah, his heart's not completely there yet, but he 
just sacrificed everything. And that is exactly the direction that he should be heading. He is headed in the right direction. He is walking after us and following us, even though his heart might not necessarily be there yet. And I can imagine him putting his arm around the young man and saying, you have no idea. Like, this is just the beginning, the things that you're going to experience. And then as the story goes on, this young man is following the apostles. He's following Christ. And every time he hears an incredible teaching from Christ, or every time he sees a miracle performed by Christ, this young man has two options. He can choose to continue sorrowing over the things that he had to give up, or he can soak in the immense goodness that is radiating off the Savior, right? He can focus on the incredible things that are standing right in front of him. And as we choose to do that, as we choose to focus on that goodness radiating off the Savior, the pull of other things just naturally dissipates. It just goes away. And I can picture this young man, should he continue to make good choices and to choose good focus, I can picture him eventually leaving that sorrow behind and finding that pure heart. Now, I often in my videos, more than anything, emphasize how essential it is to make sure that our hearts are in the right place when we're following commandments or when we are trying to live the gospel or when we're making mistakes or whatever's happening at any point in time, doing everything that we possibly can to make sure that our hearts are where they should be. And I do that for a reason. I do that because I believe that it is in our hearts where we experience eternal life. So if we're doing all the eternal life things, but our heart's not there, we're not going to experience eternal life. So I do that for a reason. However, I also fully acknowledge from personal experience <laughs> that you can't always force your feelings and your heart doesn't always get there right away. <laughs> And we shouldn't try to force our feelings necessarily because sometimes when you just force your feelings, really, you're just kind of beating in the same negative feelings. It's important to accept where you're at so that you can grow. So we can't necessarily force our feelings, but we can choose our focus, right? Just like this young man had a choice. He could Look at the young man healing. He could look at Christ healing a blind man and he could be thinking about what he's lost or he could be looking at how, he could be looking at this miracle in front of him, right? And sometimes it won't be as obvious when we've made sacrifices or we've lost things or we've gone through trials. We might not be following the Savior in his mortal ministry and watching him heal blind people or do all of these incredible things. Or maybe we can. <laughs> maybe when we're struggling with these things and we know our heart's not quite there yet and our heart is sorrowing over things that we've lost, we can pray and ask for help and ask the Lord to help us see reality, right? If that young man could see reality, see reality of what his riches actually were and what the true value of those riches were and the true value of living a life close to the mortal ministry of Christ, right? If he could see reality and open his eyes to the things that were occurring around him, his heart would have gotten there, no problem. 
Maybe it would have taken a little bit of time. And we can do the same thing, right? We can pray and ask the Lord to help us see things clearly, to see what's happening in our life for what it really is. And it helps our heart get there. (laughs) It helps us when we can see what is truly going on and when we can see the miracles that the Savior is performing in our life or performing for others that we could witness, our heart will let go of the other things. I'm grateful for a Savior who paid for the time I needed for my heart to catch up. (laughs) I am grateful that he paid for the mistakes and the experiences that I needed in order for my heart to become pure enough to experience the eternal life that he wants me to experience. I'm grateful that I don't have to feel afraid because I know that Christ paid the price for my mortality. And because I love him and because I want to head in that direction, my heart will get there soon enough. And that's enough for the Savior. Now there's one last verse that I want to end on. This is also Matthew 19, and it's verse 29. And it says, so Christ, the young man goes away sorrowing, and the apostles turn to Christ, and they're like, hey, like, we have forsaken everything and followed you. And Christ is talking to his apostles who have forsaken everything. And Christ says, verse 29, it says, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Now, when I read that teaching that he gave to his apostles, I one of my knee-jerk reactions was, why didn't he teach that to the young man, <laughs> right? Like, At least that's what I think I would have done. Like when I think about trying to teach my children and trying to like coax them in the right direction, right? To be like, hey, like maybe you're sacrificing, but you're going to get a hundredfold in the next life, right? Why didn't Christ teach that to the young man? Because maybe the young man would have gone and sacrificed everything, right? And I realized it's because if Christ had chosen to teach him that in that moment, it would have actually further prevented this young man from receiving all of the blessings that the Savior truly wanted him to experience. Now, what I mean by that is perhaps this young man would have sacrificed everything and he would have gone and sold it all and given to the poor and followed the Savior. However, if he was doing it because he was going to receive a hundredfold in the next life, then his heart hasn't really let go of this idea of riches. And as we talked about before, there is a weight that comes with placing our heart on riches. There is a bondage that can, not always, that can prevent us from stepping further into eternal life. And if Christ had taught the young man that, it could have, maybe he would have done what Christ asked, but his heart would have still been stuck on that hundredfold on those riches. It makes me think of Abraham and the sacrifice that he was asked to make in order. So what the Savior really wanted for Abraham when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son, the Lord really wanted Abraham to understand the atonement on another level. 
And so Abraham had to believe all the way deep down that he was going to have to sacrifice his son up until the very last second, right? He had to believe that so that he could more fully appreciate the sacrifices made by Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. He had to fully step into that sacrifice and as he like looked back at what he had just gone through and how his son was saved and he didn't have to sacrifice his son, he could look and realize, have an epiphany, that there was no one to come and spare Heavenly Father from sacrificing his son. And there was no one to come and stand in front of Christ and say, no, there doesn't have to be a sacrifice. Christ gives us sacrifices because he has something beautiful in mind for us, right? There's a quote by Joseph Smith. And this is what it says. It says, A religion that does not require the sacrifice of all things never has the power sufficient to produce the faith necessary unto life and salvation. It is only when we can consecrate everything. When we can, and when I mean everything, I mean, well, literally everything, like everything that you own and especially everything that you are. It is only then that you can experience salvation in its true form. I don't think of eternal life anymore as something that is just bestowed upon us, right? We will receive our resurrected bodies and the glory, and that's going to be bestowed. But when I think about other aspects of eternal life, the best parts of eternal life, those aren't things that are just bestowed upon us. Those are things that we step into and we experience more fully. Like when we step onto another plane, we're experiencing life differently. That's not to say they're not gifts from Heavenly Father, but how they come to us is different. And so as we are able to let go of worldly things and let go and consecrate ourselves and to be willing to sacrifice everything, that is when we are able to step onto the plane that Heavenly Father wants us to be on so we can experience the happiness that is only available on that plane of living. I am grateful for a Savior who does not shy away from asking difficult things. I am grateful that not only does he ask those things, but he pays the price for me to figure it out. <laughs> I am grateful for a Savior who paid the price for the time for those that I love as well. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.